Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Lab. Our podcast contains graphic and gruesome content. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Cassie. I'm Brittany. And And this this is Crime Lab. Hello, Lab Techs. Welcome to The Lab this week. We hope you guys enjoyed celebrating the holidays with your family, whether it be Christmas or any other holiday that you celebrate. We hope that it was fun. And with this week ringing in the new year, we have Brittany bring in us a case. So Brittany, whenever you're ready, I am ready to receive the information. Okay, well, we've got a good one for you this week. It all starts in 1984. (laughs) (laughs) That just makes you think of in the movies when all of a sudden it like whirlpools, like like a flashback. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Picture that. Okay, we're going to jump into 1984 at Cox High School in Virginia Beach. All right. (laughs) Kathy is who one of the people we will be talking about today. She was a senior class secretary and the homecoming queen of the school. Ooh. She was also voted most beautiful in those, like, you know, things in the yearbooks. Mm-hmm. Kathy was raised in the King's Grant section of the city. Um, she had an older sister and a half-brother who ended up becoming a Hollywood actor. She was also into art and being creative, but not in the acting sense. She liked painting. So she went to the Virginia Commonwealth University, um, and she actually moved to Richmond, Virginia. And so that's where she lived and attended that school. Okay. So like a very creative family in different ways. But just very yeah, creative. Exactly. Um, she painted sets for community theater. And while she did that, she also worked as a pastry chef and she waitressed, which was pretty much her main job was waitressing. Okay. And so while she was waitressing, she ended up meeting Brian Harvey, who at the time played guitar and was a part of a band. They were noticed by the Rolling Stones. And so they kind of got their name out there in that sense. Um, Jeez, okay. Yeah, so they must have been like pretty good. Yeah. So with everything that was happening, she was attending school. She had all these different kind of jobs for her. She also met Brian. It was like one of the best years. And on top of that, she was crowned homecoming queen. Dang. Well, yeah, most per- most beautiful. That makes sense, homecoming queen. It's yeah. Like a popularity contest. <laughs> totally a popularity contest. But at the same time she was having the best year of her life, across the way, there was a killer that was being created. Oh, oh. This so-called created killer was seven-year-old Ricky Gray, who was raised in Arlington and Southern Maryland. I'm going to get into some details about... What had happened to Ricky Gray, so proceed with caution, forewarning you. He was beaten by his father and raped by his half-brother. Oh, my gosh. His father would use a leather strap, a belt with Ricky's name on it, a PVC pipe, and pretty much whatever else he could get his hands on whenever he became enraged and angry and needed to let out some tension. Oh, my God, that's horrible. It is horrible. And whenever he did this, he often left welts and bruises and 
other family members and people would see this, but no one ever did anything or said anything to try to stop it. So Ricky's half-brother, who sexually assaulted him, did it so often that memories of certain smells like Vaseline and other products used to sodomize him made him recoil during a psychological interview conducted, which happens later on in our little story here. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, could you imagine just, like, certain smells and stuff like that just triggered you? Because, like, they did something so horrible. It's, like, implanted in your memory. Yeah. That's horrible. His family was coined as being an alcohol-related family. They did substance abuse. It was chaotic. And there was a lot of neglect happening in that family. By the age of eight, so only a year later, Ricky was staying at his father's brothel where he says he was assaulted He was sexually abused by the prostitutes that were living there. What the hell? Like, first off, yeah, I get it. You're a shitty father. But to bring an eight-year-old around an environment like that, on top of everything going on, like, this kid is just set up for failure in all senses of the word. Yeah, exactly. And and the fact that he was living there. It wasn't just, like, visiting. It was he was living there. Could you imagine the constant abuse and stuff that he was thinking he was escaping from one thing and then just it happening Mm -hmm. again in another? And to think these women that are there are abusing him further in whichever sense. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. It makes no sense to me. I I don't get why people do that to each other anyway. So Ricky lived in the brothel for three years. So by the end of 1988, he was 11. And at this point, 11 years old, he had already been drinking for two years and was using PCP. Oh, my God. Like, that's not... PCP, let's do... Oh, my... Yeah. That's horrible. Again, kids shouldn't even be there in the first place, yet alone subject to all of that. Exactly. Like, pretty much he started drinking and doing that at nine years old. That's insane. Like, I don't even have words to, like, describe how bad all of that is. Pretty freaking bad. So now as we kind of, like, move on with what happens, we're kind of going to be jumping back and forth between Kathy and Brian and then Ricky. So I will mention names so you will know who I am talking about, but just know it's not going to be spaced out like I just had the beginning portion. So in 1990, Brian and Kathy ended up getting married, and six years later, they welcomed Stella, who was their first daughter. Brian was so happy to be a father that he posted on a fan website saying, I think I've come pretty close to knowing why I'm here on Earth since my daughter was born. I think you have to be hopeful about life when you have a child. You owe it to them. Which I thought was like, The cutest thing. It is. Like, you brought something into this world. It is your responsibility to... Take care. Care for it and give it the life it deserves. Exactly. Yes. But clearly, they still had more love to give because Ruby, who was their second child, was born in 2001. Oh. Yeah. So now with two kids, their life kind of changed a little bit. So Brian kept playing music. But he also had to get a job working on computers within, like, a school system. 
Kathy opened the World of Mirth, which was a quirky toy and gift store that ended up becoming like this huge thing in the town that they lived in. Like everybody knew about it. Everybody oh, would go. Cool. It was like a big hit. That's cool. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Like, and to have kids and then owning like a toy store, mm-hmm. it just seemed like that'd probably be fun. But then they would want to leave with like everything. <clears throat> so in October of 1995, Ricky was now 17 years old, and he had been arrested along with his nephew Ray. So the two of them were involved in a handful of small like robberies in Northern Virginia. And they ended up getting caught for one of them, which got them arrested. They also had a record of other thefts and drug convictions. And because of all of this put together, it kept them behind bars for much of the next decade. Yeah. Understandable. Yeah. So understandable. Like, they did so many bad things. It's crazy. But it doesn't stop there. Because in October of 2005... Ray was released from prison and ended up heading over to Washington, Pennsylvania, where they he ended up meeting with Ricky, mm-hmm. who had been released earlier that year. So in the time from when Ricky got released and Ray was released, Ricky ended up getting married to a woman named Treva and was living in the house together, which was owned by her mom. Okay. So only a month later from when they all met up together, so in November, police found Trevor Gray dead in a wooded section of town. What? They did interview Ricky and Ray about the death, but ended up not arresting them because there wasn't enough evidence. However, the mother noticed scratch marks and things on Ricky Mm -hmm. and quickly assumed that he had something to do with the death of her daughter and kicked yeah. him out of the house. Smart, because that's defensive wounds right there. Like, yeah, exactly. But I don't. What I didn't really understand is like, why didn't the police see that? Well, maybe they did, but like, scratches can be explained away. Yeah, yeah. Compared to the mom, probably is like, no, I know exactly what's going on here. She probably witnessed if there were any arguments or anything like that going on. So. I mean, it's all pretty much hearsay without substantial evidence that they did it. So a few little domestic disturbances can be explained away, but they can't necessarily pin murder if there's nothing there evidence-wise. Nothing more than just scratches. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, as you can imagine, after they ended up killing Treva, they hit the road and started driving towards Arlington on Christmas. So now on New Year's Eve, they attacked 26-year-old Ryan Carey as he was walking from his car into his parents' house. So after the first, like, punch that they did to his face, Ryan immediately gave up his wallet, gave up his keys, told them they can have whatever they wanted, Mm -hmm. but they didn't care. Ricky and Ray did not care. They began stabbing him (gasps) along with taking all the possessions that he had. They stabbed him so bad that they broke two knives (gasps) off of his body. What? Like, what drove them to assault somebody so violently? The only thing I can think of is just their history, but, like... 
It's never going to make sense to me. Yeah, because, I mean, he's walking from his car into the house. Like, there's nothing there that you would think would trigger them unless they're just, oh, look, there's a guy. (laughs) And especially, like, right in front of the house in a neighborhood, like, you got to have some balls to do something like that. And obviously they weren't scared of being caught or else they wouldn't do it. Maybe they got the thrill of possibly being caught, that, like, adrenaline rush. Maybe. I mean, this is, like... What they're good at is robberies and, like, doing that kind of stuff to people. But that's so, so much worse than robbery. That's just horrible. It is. It's, it is horrible. But on the kind of bright side, Ryan survived. What? Yes, Ryan survived and he still does not know what ended up stopping them from attacking. Um, he was in a coma for a couple of weeks he lost all use of his right arm and was left with severe physical and psychological scars. He said, and I quote, I could feel the knives going into the bottom of my mouth. <gasps> yes. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm glad that he didn't die, but also it's like, in a sense, I feel like he did just because he's going to be so traumatized. Yeah, that's going to be and, a lot of psychological hurdles to jump over to just live a normal yeah. life. Yeah, it will be. Oh, and then those ghost pains, like, feeling that over and over again, I I can't even imagine. And it was all, like, no, it was all out of nowhere. Like, there was nothing that pushed them to do this. He didn't do anything. So, struggling with the idea of, like, what did I do? Why me? There's no answer to that. There is none. Just wrong place at wrong time. Like, literally, that is it. Yeah. But things didn't end here. Ryan was not their only victim. So in New Year's Eve of 2005, Brian had a gig, but he ended up needing to leave early to get home because his family was going to be hosting their usual New Year's Eve party and he needed to get back to help Kathy. So at the same time, roughly, that he's doing his gig, and that he's headed home. Ryan and Ricky were headed south, running away from Arlington, as you can imagine, after they committed the crime on Ryan. So they obviously needed to get a new vehicle at this point. So they went and met up with their friend Ashley Baskerville, who was a woman that Ray had started a relationship while he was behind bars. She, too, had recently gotten out of prison herself after doing time on federal drug charges. Jesus. Yeah. It's... (laughs) This group of people is just not good. That is a vicious circle of people there. Yes. The three of them ended up coming into town just straight up looking for a home to rob. They had no other reasons. They just ended up in the town wanting to rob a home. Yeah. So as they cruised through the neighborhoods near where Ashley's parents lived, which was in Richmond, they ended up in Woodland Heights. So around 9 o'clock a.m., they spotted a red brick house with an open front door. And so they went and they parked down the block, left Ashley in the van, and kind of like sneakily was sneaking up to this house Mm -hmm. that had the unlocked doors. So inside, they found Kathy, Brian, and four-year-old Ruby. 
Mm-hmm. Stella, who was nine at this time, was actually staying the night over at a friend's house. So she wasn't home. Well, that's good. At, that's one good thing. One good thing, yeah. Oh, my God. So the men, as you can imagine, forced the family away from the door into the basement where they ended up tying up Brian's wrists behind mm-hmm. his back with electrical cords and also tied his ankles. They stated that if everyone cooperated, they wouldn't hurt anybody and they would get what they want and they would leave. That's never the case. Never. Especially the if case. you've seen their face. That's they're not going to just leave you there being able to witness them or exactly. put them in a lineup. If they saw your face like you're going to die. Mm-hmm. So if you see someone's face, they're most likely going to kill you. There's no question about it. So about an hour later at 10 a.m., a woman by the name of Kirsten stopped by the house with her daughter to drop off Stella as it was the sleepover was coming to Mm -hmm. an end. Kathy at this point was trying to persuade Ricky to let her go upstairs and deal with the situation and kind of like do what she needed to do to Mm -hmm. answer the door, which he agreed to and let her go upstairs. Oh, gosh. So Kristen had said she noticed that Kathy looked pale and super stressed out. Mm-hmm. And when Stella had darted past her mother towards the basement family room, Kristen's daughter tried to follow her inside to go play, but Kathy stepped in the way and blocked the door and told them that she wasn't feeling well, so they couldn't play and hang out. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. She- She also recalled that Kathy made a circular motion with her fingers like a gun to the side of her head, kind of like the crazy Mm -hmm. thing. Oh, God, yeah, Um, because the guy was probably just hiding right there because any false move. Yeah, could have been. But Kristen didn't think anything of it really and left and was planning to come back later that night for the party. Yeah, I mean, that's not something that you'd think – is happening like especially like oh she said she's not feeling well she's stressed there's a party going on like your immediate thought isn't gonna be oh my god she's flustered somebody's in the house like yeah you're not gonna think that especially in a small town your your mind always thinks like it'll never happen to me but she can and the guy was probably standing there there was no way he was just gonna let her go up the stairs to greet somebody at the door without supervision yeah, because she could have easily just, like, one, told her or, mm-hmm. like, took her daughter and left and then went for help. Yeah. You know, like, there's things that she could have done. So he had to have been at least, if not right behind the door, nearby. Mm-hmm. Because I, I have a feeling of what's coming and I'm like, oh, God, it, I just, I wish somehow she would have been able to be like, no, can you just, like, take her to go get ice cream yeah. or take her out to lunch or something? We're just really busy here. Yeah, instead of letting her inside. Mm-hmm. Because once Kristen left, Ricky tied up the whole family, put clear packing tape over their mouths, and began ransacking the home. So while the Harveys were all tied up in the basement, Ricky was starting to get, like, very agitated, mad. He wasn't making much sense. Mm -hmm. Something that Ray had stated was that his eyes were different and bloodshot and were sticking out, like, owl eyes it's like there was something clearly happening so what was he on like that makes me think that he's on something oh yeah i mean he used to do pcp could have been that or something Mm -hmm. along those lines i would assume 
But hmm. the longer that they were sitting down there tied up, Ruby and Stella, as you can imagine, their children, they started panicking, freaking out, mm-hmm. you know, doing what children do in those kind of situations, right? Yeah. And so Kathy tried to ask Ricky to just take what he wanted and leave and be done with it. Mm-hmm. But instead, Ricky took out a razor knife, cut Kathy's throat, and oh then God. cut the little girl's throats. But they weren't fatal. They didn't die from these wounds. Oh, my God. But, like, even if they didn't die from that, I hope that it was, like, enough shock to make them just fall unconscious instead of literally sitting there awake suffering. Yeah, I hope so. I'm not too sure. Um, I do know they didn't survive because that wasn't the only wound that was inflicted. And when this all happened, Brian started screaming. He started freaking out. Mm -hmm. And so Ricky slit Brian's throat as well. Yeah. He ended up picking up the claw hammer. And what he told police is that he has no clue who he hit first. All he knows is that nobody was moving when he was done. Oh, my God. He just had to just gone for it. Yeah. He saw red and just went. And just went ham. Oh, my God. That is horrible. It is. That's insane. And to think, like, even his buddy or even notice, like, his demeanor changing over the span of this time. Like, something's going on with him. He's getting agitated. He's not being himself. Like, he himself is already a horrible person. But the fact that it escalated so much to where he was like, this is not the same person in a violent situation. Like, that just shows how bad he got. Yeah. And it was his nephew, by the way. The other guy okay. was his nephew. Um, yeah. But it's not like he tried to do anything with it either because when all this was happening, he was upstairs grabbing the laptops, uh, things that they wanted, mm-hmm. and a plate of cookies. <laughs> so, yeah, he was up there grabbing everything while Ricky was downstairs smashing their heads in pretty much. So something else that Ricky did was he poured two bottles of wine on an easel and lit the basement on fire. Oh, my God. kind of make it seem like, you know, nothing had happened to them, that it was just a house fire. Yeah, because they're not going to be able to tell from the bones that there was other violence inflicted. These idiots don't realize that just starting a fire in a house is not going to disintegrate bones. Like, your normal everyday fire is not going to be hot enough to melt a body in the way that a lot of people think. Like, those freaking morgue incinerators are the hottest, hot, hot, hottest fire that you can even imagine because they're enclosed and the temperature is turned up. Like, an open fire is not going to be able to get the same effects. No, but not only that, like, they're still going to examine the bodies. They're still going to try to figure out what the- happened to them mm-hmm. to see if it really was just the fire, like. Yeah, but a lot of people think that in a fire situation like that, there will be nothing left of the bodies to look yeah. at. No. That is not true. No. Freaking idiots, man. High as a fucking Idiot. kite, not thinking straight, probably not even educated enough to know that the fire ain't going to do nothing. You are probably correct. Plus, in a suburban area, like, you think the the police department and the fire department are not going to respond almost immediately? Like, you think they're going to let it burn enough to make the whole house burn down? Like, no. 
No. Yeah, like neighbors and stuff are obviously going to know. But actually, around 1.30 p.m., Brian's old bandmate showed up with his daughter for the party. Ugh. And when he went to go inside, he was encountered with a huge cloud of smoke. So you obviously, it started in the basement. Mm-hmm. So when he went to go walk in, saw all the smoke. He ran out and had a neighbor call 911. Okay. So at first, the firefighters thought the people on the floor in the basement were just fire victims. But obviously, mm-hmm. as we had talked about, once the bodies were examined further, they noticed that's not the case. Yeah. And that something horrible happened here. Oh, my God. That's – I can't even imagine. Me either. So on this same day, obviously, they left the home of the Harveys. And they headed to a friend of theirs, Lily Ann's apartment, where she shared – with her daughter, LaToya, in Chesterfield County. They were waiting for them at the house. They ended up staying with her for a couple of days until the daughter realized that the killers that the police were looking for that she saw on the laptop that they had stolen from the Harveys was them. Mm -hmm. And so when she had seen this, she told her mom, Nice. But before the mom, mom didn't do anything. She didn't do anything at this very point mm-hmm. until January 6th when Ricky, Ray, and Ashley left. So as soon as they left and wasn't staying with her anymore, she called the police, told them that they were staying here and um, that they had just left her home. Well, I guess that makes sense. Like she didn't do anything at that point because they're in her house. And there's three of them there, two of them that she probably knows even without this information that they're very violent and uh, they don't think very rationally. So the fact that she's in this house with them for these like numerous days, she's there's no way she's going to be able to call the police. And if she does call the police, they're going to know. So she's like, okay, I need to make sure I can be safe before I tell somebody something. Exactly. This. Yeah, but not only that, like, her daughter is in the house. Like, mm-hmm. you don't, she's not going to want to risk her daughter's life either. Yeah. So. Like, that's survival first. Like, make sure I can survive from this situation first, and then I'll handle the other incidences. Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, I can see either way, but mm-hmm. I think for the situation she was in, it was probably a smart yeah. one. Even though it delayed the investigation, it's still, you know. Yeah. And I mean, I hate Saved to her and her say daughter's it, life. but like this, the family, they have already, they're dead. They have already died. So in this moment, a few days later, it's not like somebody's held hostage somewhere and like time's ticking. It's, yeah. I can't do yeah, anything to she, help them at this moment. How can I help myself and make sure I come out of this situation well and alive and my daughter too before I can help further this? Yeah, I agree. So when they three, the three of them left, they ended up heading back into the city with another robbery in mind. But this time, they were going to rob Ashley's parents. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yes. So to make it not look like a break-in, obviously, Ashley Lee had the key mm-hmm. to her mother's home. But they also came up with a plan to make Ashley look innocent. And their plan was 
to have her tied up along with the parents to make it seem like she wasn't involved That's and that ridiculous. she was being attacked as well. That's ridiculous. There's no sign of breaking and entering because you're opening the door. Like, they're going to be able to tie it back to you, chick. Like, oh, you hang out with a yes. shady crowd, you're involved. Like, you, there's no <laughs> yeah. way that your house just got robbed. Yeah. No. No way. But, twist to your thoughts, Ray and Ricky ended up calling LaToya, who was the daughter of mm-hmm. Lily, and told her that Ashley has gone bye-bye. What? Yes. So at this point, Lily found this out from her daughter, called the police for a second time. They went to Ashley's parents' home, and they found three people dead. They ended up turning on Ashley <gasps> and killing her along with her parents. Oh, my God. And then fled the scene in their family's green Chevrolet blazer. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, not only... I wonder if Ashley's like, well, I know what you did to that family. Like, loose string right there. Apparently, obviously, these guys don't want to let loose strings dangle. Like, she's... The fact that she just welcomed them them into her home knowing that they're like murderers like that in the first place and then to think that she can trust them like they're family of the same mindset she's just an extra in their plan yeah Mm-hmm. but oh had no God. idea can you imagine being her like thinking you're part of this plan and letting them tie you up and everything like yeah yeah we're gonna get them and then they blindside you like that. Dead. Oh. No, I have no words. Oh, my God. OMG is right. That's insane. When they left after committing this horrible crime and turning on Ashley, they ended up driving over to Ray's father's home in Philadelphia. But obviously, the police knew that what vehicle was stolen, Mm -hmm. and they were able to track where it had gone. So that next morning, a police SWAT team stormed in to the father's home. Ray instantly surrendered, but Ricky was hiding behind a water heater in hopes that they wouldn't find him. (laughs) Behind a water heater? Behind a water heater. (laughs) As if they're not going to search the place. Yeah, like head and toe. Like they know that they're both there. And yeah. I'm sure Ray was like, he's there. He's here. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm not going down alone, dipshit. Yep. Nope. Idiots. So Ray ended up being convicted of murdering Ashley, her mother, and father. In exchange for a plea, he was sentenced to life in prison. All right. Ricky was convicted of capital murder for killing the Harveys. Mm-hmm. He was sentenced to death for killing the two children. He was executed by lethal injection on January 18th of 2017 at the Greensville Correctional Center. Good. Good, good, good. Like, okay, glad that guy, like, he got his life sentence. But I agree, like, he... At least what well, we don't know, Ashley and his parents, like, if it was all by his hand there... But we know at least yeah. for the family, he was the one ransacking the place. So the fact that he took yeah. not only four victims' lives, but, like, killed them all because the children were getting fussy and he got fed up of it. Like, they're children. That's but I guess when he was 
the age of Stella, he was already high on PCP and drunk in a brothel. Like, yeah. So his outlook on life in general was horrible. Exactly. One small ounce of scum of the earth is scraped off. Yes. To put it nicely. I would have to agree. <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah. It was a it was a bad one. Yeah. It was just bad from the start. Mm-hmm. But on the bright side, whatever bright side there okay. is, I know it's very, very hard to see any bright side, but they're caught. Like, at least these people are off the streets because there's a lot of murders out there like this where the killer has never been found or isn't yeah. found for years and years and years. So the small, small smidgen of a bright side is that they were taken off the streets. Woohoo SWAT team. Mm-hmm. Good job. Yeah, that's insane. Well, shoot. Be safe in your New Year's. <laughs> I get it. It's a time to come together, enjoy the new year and party, but just be aware of your surroundings. Be safe. Take extra precautions. Lock your doors. Don't leave your drinks unattended. Don't accept drinks from strangers. Don't go home with strangers. Be safe. All the things. All the things. If you go to a party on New Year's, make sure the friends you show up with are the friends you leave with. I don't care if your friend yes. finds a cute guy and was like, no, 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 let me go with him. Don't. Don't let her go anywhere. She can call oh, him in the morning. up on the news. She can call him in the morning. Get the number. Call him in the morning. Because if he's not worth it the second night, he's not worth it the first night. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, preach it. <laughs> so on that note, we hope that you guys have a wonderful New Year's. A wonderful and safe New Year's. And we are going to enjoy the start of our 2023, focusing on bettering ourselves and our school, because we are both going to be going back to school in January. So we will be taking January off, and we will be back at it bi-weekly, so every other week on Fridays, starting February 10th. Yeah, what she said. <laughs> so we hope that you guys understand, and... Enjoy your new year, and we'll see you back in February. See you in February. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And if you enjoyed this episode, the podcast as a whole, make sure you binge it to get you through the month and share it with friends or family or anybody you think might like us. Share, share, share. And remember, don't have nightmares. Enjoy your new year, and we'll see you back in February. See ya.